morning and welcome to the Purpose Podcast, where we help business owners live their lives with intention. I'm Gordon. And I'm Matt. And we are excited today. Matt, we've got a really great guest. Um, we have Chuck Austin. Chuck from AT&T. Good morning. And we are so excited to have him. He, this is a really interesting guy that we've gotten to know a little bit over the last couple months and uh, an associate of uh, John Bame, who we all know from this group. So we're excited to have you here. So Chuck, thank you for coming. And thank you for you know, the opportunity. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I'm, thank you, Matt. Of course. So of course. I appreciate that. Up. Absolutely. So today we're, we're going to get to know you a little bit. We would love to hear just kind of like your overview well, you know, who you are, how'd you get to this point? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely, and I appreciate the time. So, you know, I would say it started when I was, a, you know, as a kid, is, you know, my parents didn't, you know, have a lot of money, so I worked a lot. I was into um, paper routes at 11 years old, working in the field, and always worked. Work was um, the biggest thing in my life. Were you singing, like, Paperboy songs, yep. though? Pa- yep, Paperboys. Yep. News, Newsboys? Yep. What was that News. movie called? Yeah. Newsies, that's right. Yeah. You were a newsie. Right. So, so it was interesting. And so when I, you know, when you start working so hard, you start seeing the money, and then you also see um, how people, your reputation in in the city is. And so we grew up in upstate New York in a little town, and everybody knew us as the Austin boys, as working hard. And they said no boys can work harder than the Austin boys. So it's we good were, rep to have. It is. It is. So I went, um, my brother and I, we put ourselves through uh, high school. We went to a, um, a Baptist uh, high school on my sophomore, junior, and senior year. And then I went to Pensacola Christian College for two years. And uh, I was working on the campus, and then I also was uh, working off campus climbing trees. Okay. Like so, tree cutting? Kind yeah, of thing? tree cutting. Yeah. I, I was working 80 hours a week putting my, and doing college and putting my... You make some scratch doing that tree cutting. That is not though. an easy yeah. job. Yeah, I did sure. a little bit of that, too. Did you? Yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So it was busy work. Yeah. So, and, you know, after that, and, you know, I left the college, came back home, and in less than a month, I joined the Navy. Okay. I took that ABSLAB test and I joined. I said I wanted to go see the world. Yep. So I did uh, four years and was um, started as an E1. I worked my way all the way up to an E5 and loved every minute. Was in um, Norfolk, Virginia for two years and then stationed in Japan for two years. Really? Yeah. So I loved it. I met my wife in Japan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was some good times. Nice. Was she from Japan? No, she's from Romania. Ah. Two people from two different worlds. That's so cool. Met at five o'clock in the morning. Did you? Yeah. Oh. Tell us a little more about say, that. Yeah. That. Well, how do you meet right a there. Romanian girl in Japan at five in the morning? This is great. So, so what's interesting is I was the partier at that time. I was a bodybuilder, and sure. I, you know, I was always clubbing at night. Okay. Uh, so we had uh, ten ensigns, which is coming from your um, the Navy Academy. They come on our ship, I take them out to go to Rapungi. It's a big club, you know, big place where you go clubbing down in Japan. And, you know, it's about a, a half an hour of to- before Tokyo. Okay. So we were over there, and all of a sudden, one of the guys that we were with had to go back on the ship to do duty the next morning. So at 5 o'clock in the morning, we started walking to the train station, because it's from Tokyo to Yokosuka. It's about a two-hour dra- uh, train ride. Okay. So we were over there, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, we were walking, and one of the bars said, we got pretty women upstairs. And I was like, let's go. Too good to be true? <laughs> and we're, we're already drunk. Right. All right. We, we were having a little fun. And then all of a sudden, we go up there. I saw this pretty woman. I said, hey, let's dance. And she said, no. And I said, okay. So we went over to the bar. I grabbed 10 shots, 
We all took uh, fireball shots. Love it. And all of a sudden, this girl comes over, grabs my arm, and says, let's dance. And it was uh, the song, uh, 50 Cents, It's Your Birthday. Get a party like it's your birthday. So we were dancing. We danced for two hours straight. I pull out my phone. She pulled out her phone. Mine was blue. Hers was pink. Same identical phone, everything. We exchanged numbers. And then uh, what we did is, what was interesting is we were just texting back and forth all the whole week because she worked in Tokyo. So I went all the way back to Hakuska that morning. And then after that, uh, it was history. And yeah. it, was a, it was a love story because at that time it was uh, no internet at that time. Yeah. And so what I would do is we would just text and then we met at a coffee shop on a Friday and she wanted to, you know, kind of talk out, get some serious stuff out. And she's like, you're going to laugh at this one. She's like, I know how you American boys are. She's like, I know what I want. If you want to play, there's the road. She was very serious. Yes. So we uh, started dating. We would only see each other on the weekends. She took me to, you know, her place where she worked. And then at night, um, I would go out uh, clubbing. And we'd meet at the train station. I brought her back to the Yakuska, showed her where I worked. The next day, we didn't even sleep for that whole weekend. Hmm. We, she uh, took me to a Wayno where they have Korean barbecue. Sounds And they brought out the meat. And all of a sudden, she's like, I started to grab the meat to cook. She's like, no, I'm cooking for my future husband. Oh, wow. So I was like, very interesting. (laughs) So we we, we, uh, did that. And then um, uh, for two weeks, I had to go out to sea. So I I went out to sea for two weeks and uh, was, um, we wrote diaries. I bought diaries. Okay. Her, I write in mine and she writes in hers. And when I came back, we, she uh, grabbed me at the train station or met me at the train station and we just sat in a park and read each other's diaries. Really? And we exchanged and we did that for, for six months. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was a good love story. Yeah. And then um, what really made me is when I came back to um, the United States, you know, I just came back out of the military. And if you've been around any military people, it's very hard to come from the military and go back into the civilian sure. life. It's very, very, especially just getting married. And, and she had a kid from her previous marriage and didn't speak one word of English. So being a husband, being a father, and then also, you know, coming back from being in the military into the civilian yeah. world, it was, a, it was different. And so I was working two jobs at that time. I was only sleeping maybe one hour, two hours here and there, Jesus. working around the clock because she didn't have a, you know, we did the green card, but it takes time for the social security and for all sure. that. Yeah. So it, it takes time and then you don't want to put your family through poverty and all that. So, you don't. as a kid, my parents always somehow had money issues had electricity shut off you know so for me I always said to myself I will never go through that so I worked and then I kept on progressing and then I worked in a construction company building Walmarts Home Depots uh, upstate New York and then you know what was interesting is went into sales okay went into a call center just put a resume in there just you didn't know much about sales and all of a sudden they hired me on the spot did an interview and I was I was just amazed of how we can because when you're a kid you're all about working hours you know doing hours you know manual but then all of a sudden when you start looking at the commission but what can we do for people 
So at that time I was working for Sprint and then after a year I got promoted to the um, supervisor for Sprint and that's when we bought out Nextel. Got it. So it was a really interesting and then all of a sudden I was working, my reputation was in proceeding and one of our friends that came over to my house said, hey, why don't you come work for Time Warner Cable? I said, all right, I'll do that. I put an application in and it's all who you know because at that time you, you had to be in sales. So I started out in customer service with Time Warner Cable, worked all the way up, went to retention, then did uh, sales. And then uh, in 2011, they um, said we had to relocate. They were closing that call center. And uh, they moved my whole family down here to Raleigh in 2011. And then in there, what, you know, what was really interesting is um, I was number one, number two every month in New York. And they paid for the whole, everything. My wife didn't even have to pack a box. That's what, that's what was amazing. That's pretty sweet. That's a huge yeah. buck. And so I, uh, after being down here for about two years, I got promoted to the supervisor position. And we're, was doing that for a while. Then I left. Um, somebody, one of my friends said, why don't you come work for Comcast up in West Virginia? I said, all right, I'll do the interview. Actually, I, I interviewed for the Maryland position. And uh, I went to West Virginia, they hired me, and I did the West Virginia for three years. I was staying in a hotel and coming back on the weekends. Really? Families uh, here? Families here, kids here, and I would only see them. Now, this is what was crazy. I would leave on Monday, come back on Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and at that time, while I was a supervisor for um, on Time Warner, I was also working at RDU Airport. I was working for Delta. Hmm. So I, you know, was um, when I came back on Saturday night, I would also work on Sunday, do 12 hours on Sunday at the uh, Delta, and then do four hours in the morning on Monday morning before I went back to West Virginia. Why take the West Virginia job? Was it just more money? It was more opportunity, more money. That's where Comcast was at that time. And um, for me, I was good at what I was doing. Um, I did all in um, the call center for 15 years with Time Warner Cable. And then, then I started doing door-to-door and was really good was um, that first year with Comcast, I went right straight to, um, they call it the elite, where you get flown into Orlando and it's all your top 1% of your con- yeah, Comcast. Yeah, like a president's club yeah. type of thing. Cool. So I, I, I loved that. I really enjoyed it. Took my wife. It was really awesome. Then what was amazing is uh, I came back and one of the people that used to work for Comcast worked for Spectrum. And now Time Warner got bought out by Charter and now Spectrum. And then uh, what was really nice about it is um, he wanted me to come up and work for him. So I came up and worked up in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. My wife and kids still stayed here. I stayed up in a hotel the whole time. I would would fly back once a month, maybe twice a month. Mm -hmm. And I would still work at the airport for Delta, too. Wow. You know? And I did that. Then I, I moved back here for Spectrum, did door-to-door down here in Raleigh. And then all of a sudden, uh, one of, we have parties at our house a lot. And one of my friends said, hey, why don't you come work for me? And I said, okay. We're starting a call center. It's a you know, startup company in I, uh, IT, cybersecurity. So I uh, was down in Florida. My wife and kids still stayed here. My wife did not want to move to Florida. Story of your life, man. So I stayed in, down in Florida for a year. Would only come drive back because it's an 11-hour drive, come back on the weekends. And then uh, I came back, and then, then that's when COVID started. 
So I was working from home for that during that time. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, I need you to come back down to Florida. And um, my wife's like, I don't want to move. So I applied for AT&T. Amazing thing is I got accepted. And back in when I was working as a supervisor for Time Warner Cable, to get into AT&T, you, you, it was very hard. You had to know people. We put, there was supervisors that put in uh, applications to AT&T. Mm -hmm. And this was back in 2015, 2013, and you could not get, even get in. You would just get an email saying, hey, we already picked a different candidate. So, you know, and then just some, somehow I got in um, with, I did an interview with this guy named Chase, and man, I, he, was, he was impressed. I was impressed with him. He was from the military too, Marines. And uh, I always picked out them. I was in the Navy, so we always joke back and forth. They're kind of the stepbrother, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he was my boss, and that first year, man, I worked my tail off. I would come home, I'll leave the house at 7.30 in the morning, come back at uh, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. I was number one, not just the market, but number one in the United States. Sweet. Good stuff. And so that year, I got um, a one a trip down to Summit. Uh, we went to uh, Miami. Uh, took my wife again and then uh, when it was down there um, really enjoyed it got to be with the top you know all your AVPs your directors you know it was really nice and nice networking yeah and so everybody got to know who you are and what you do and then I came back and I got promoted to a supervisor position over the uh, residential for AT&T enjoyed it loved it coached you know inspire I love inspiring and motivating people um, and what can we do to help them out? And then after a year, I got promoted to go to the business side. So now I'm over on the business side. So I know that's a long-winded, but that's my life story. Yeah, that's great, man. It's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, it's a lot no of No doubt that, uh, that work ethic, I'm sure, was paved from the news routes and the delivering everything at, at such a young age. I mean, that's, that's a lot of moving around and a lot of mm -hmm. working. So. It is, but the thing is I left out a couple of pieces is, you know, in sales, Everything is, you know, driven by competition, mm -hmm. right? So, in my first house that I bought, all my TVs were furnished by Time Warner Cable. I won a trip to the Super Bowl, and, uh, you know, and I, if Time Warner was still here, I would be a Time Warner fan because they treated my family really well. No you know, and uh, every con uh, contest, I was always number one, and everybody's like, how are you doing it? But the thing is, I left out that when I was working for Time Warner in the call center, they called me the overtime king. So what I would do is I would, my shift would be 7 o'clock in the morning to about 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I would pick up in the call center at that time, I would pick up anybody else's shift who would call out, who didn't, you know, they needed, because it was all about customer basing at that time. And so I did, and I would stay till 3 o'clock in the morning. And then I would sleep on the couch in the cafeteria, take a shower downstairs, come back upstairs and be ready to go by work by seven in the morning. So there's an interesting thread that I think I want to dive into here. You, you seem to be very motivated by these kind of compensation incentive plans from big companies, right? Yes. And I will say, in my experience, a lot of people take those for granted. They don't do them. They get jaded about them. You have done the exact opposite. It motivates you to a T to a 10th degree and you have taken advantage of them. Why is that? Because it's the competition. I think it's because when I was a kid, I was the underdog. 
you know, you know, when you're growing up, you know, when your parents don't have a lot of money, you're, I wouldn't say you're that. Yeah, it felt like we were the outcast, right? And when we were kids in high school or, you know, even in, you know, elementary, I played football, played soccer. But I was always that kid that everybody's like, you're not amount to nothing, you know? So, you know, and just like, I, you know, I drove in the driveway today is back in 2000, there was, a, I was a bodybuilder. And if you remember, they were giving out Hummers for bodybuilders who were number one for Mr. Olympia. So one, uh, when I started working for construction, well, a guy came to me and said, you'll never own one. Well, I bought one. There you go. It's just a point that for me, I'm driven. What drives you know, me for those competitions is not just to be number one, but also the recomp- you know, your, what you get behind it. The, you know, people, how they look up to you is, hey, you're really doing well. You're, you're succeeding in all these competitions. And, and then your name gets out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I never want to be, the, you know, just a mediocre. My wife and I, we driven to be successful and progress every way we go. I got a kid who's in um, Guam right now, stationed there. He was the sailor of the quarter last, um, last December. I got a, another kid who was in the Young Marine program. He was the uh, young, uh, young Marine of the Year last year. So we breed on success. And we don't want to stay complacent, and we don't want to stay comfortable. And when you get to a challenging part in your life, that means you just leveled up. Mm-hmm. And you just got to keep on moving and trucking and, and really enjoying the life that we can do. Because when you look at it, we are an example for our kids and the next generation. And so both of my kids will say to you that I'm a workaholic. But the It thing, may sound like that yeah. to the listeners yeah. and watchers. Yes. But, but the thing is... Nobody else is going to pay my bills. That is true. Nobody is. And if you want to enjoy this life and be able to go on trips, you know, and be able to really. But the thing is, what really I really want to, you know, dive into is what are we teaching our kids? Mm. Is You know, not being lazy, you know, pushing them to that next level. Mm -hmm. What can they accomplish in their life? How better they, they can be than I am. Yep. Do your kids use social media a lot? Yes. They do? Yes. Do you feel like social media is corrosive in any way? I, I believe, you know, I have different opinions. I, I say yes in one way and no in another way. Yeah. One way it is a positive vibe where you can be able to learn from each other and be able to drive each other to the next level. But I also watch a lot of motivation videos. I read a lot. And so there is a lot of good tips. The internet is a powerful thing. The social media mm-hmm. is a powerful thing where we can be able to target a mass group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but the thing is, is when you get down into the weeds, people can have their own opinions, but don't push your opinion on other people. So you can voice your opinion, but don't make the other person because they disagree or have a different opinion, you know. Right. Don't alienate them just because they disagree. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. It's based on how we grew up, how our life is, and how much knowledge we have. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. What is, um, you said you like to read a lot. What's one of your, your top, I guess you could, maybe it's difficult to pick one if there's like a top three that you had to pick that you enjoy, that you would read over again or recommend other people do so? Uh, I love Brian Tracy's books. I, I read a lot of his, The Philosophy of Sales. Mm-hmm. But then I also been reading on my son um, for Christmas one year. He got me um, a Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I've been reading that. And the thing is, it's interesting, the concept 
you you just keep on reading, you know, and you always in in my son, my older one, he's like, Dad, you're that guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jordan Belfort. Yeah, we go. But it, it, the thing is, is just being, you know, the honesty, the integrity, and your character. Mm-hmm. Nobody can take those things away. That's what you bring to the table, and that's what makes you authentic. And that's what's really interesting about the book. I think Jordan Belfort was known for his honesty and integrity, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, has, he has turned himself around. <laughs> yes, he like, has actually. turned himself around now. Yeah, yeah. he's an interesting guy. For this. Correct. That's, that's very cool, man. Yes. So do you, um, do you, you've, you've obviously been through a lot of different experiences, and this is obviously a networking group, a networking podcast. Have you learned some lessons over the years about networking that maybe you would like to share with people or that you feel are particularly important? Absolutely, and I, I appreciate that question. You know, the, the one thing is, is it, it's not about what you can get out of it. It's what can you do for other people. That is a key thing. What can we do for other people, and how can we help them be successful in life? If you know, if I can sit here and help you with your business or your business, you know, everybody you talk to, we can help each other mm-hmm. be successful. It's not about. I think our society kind of got into. It's all about me, 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 me. We Social need to, media may, yeah. or may not have played a part in that. Too. I correct, has, yeah. but, but we need to look out for each other because we're at the same time. We all put our shoes on, pat our pants on at the same time. How can we help that next person get where they want to be? And when you, it's being selfless, right? Well, just like in a marriage, like me and my wife, we always look at each other and we always put each other's needs ahead of each other. Mm-hmm. We we want to serve each other, right? Yeah. So when you look at a networking group, not not go to a networking trying to get what you can get out of it and move on. How can I make that group better? What can I learn from each person? Because each person that comes to these networking has a person, uh, a reason. Mm-hmm. And then what can you be able to do? to bring that level up to the next level. Oh yeah. And are you leaving it leading by example or are you, you know, just going being just a, a ruffle? You know, what I mean is being just complacent, comfortable, yep. just, you know, and for me is for me this year has been really challenging um, because for me I I always network um, like organically. So when you sit here and go to a networking group, it's different for me. And where, you know, where you place, you don't want to, like I was telling Lee, is I, I don't want to be the pushy salesperson, right? I don't want people, I want people to come to me when they want to and w- when they do, because that's organic. But when you start calling people, pushing out your stuff, that means you're here for your own self. And you're not here to take care and look at their best interest. Yeah. It sounds like you embody the, the very ethos of this group just from this conversation. And for those watching or listening, maybe for the first time, if you haven't heard about it, PNG is a networking group focused on the theme of the Go-Giver or the book called The Go-Giver, where we really believe that we can all succeed by helping the other person. As you can hear, that's exactly what Chuck is all about. So we, we appreciate you being a part, just visiting around. So um, That's interesting, because yeah. I, I think you, you touched on something else that I think is interesting, which is that of the web of people right yes. this is this is not just the 45 people that show up on Wednesdays no. it's their families yes. you know it's your wife who works with you and you know your 
dog and your your friends and like your whole world and your whole world and my right. whole world all mixed together. That's what I think is super cool about it. Is that they you, may have the initial contact points of yourself, Chuck, myself, whoever it may be, but all those worlds that extend behind the scenes or what everybody else may or may not see is is what really makes the biggest correct. difference. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So it sounds like you you've done a lot of groundwork for that over your life and you just continue what's what's your goal that you know what are your goals the next year or two what do you what are your what are your plans for work and what do you see yourself doing my plan is you know one is being successful okay uh, and how to get the action behind that is one is being able just to be honest networking um lead with integrity lead with you know looking out for everybody and being able to be successful, yes, we all want that, you know, the bigger houses. We all want those nice, fancy cars and all that, right? But the thing is, what we want, what my family wants and what I want is what are we going to do as a legacy? What are we leaving? And for me, what I would like to do is start, you know, on The Rich Man, Poor Man. I, I read that book, and it's very interesting. I wish I would somebody would have pulled me aside when I was in my 20s and said, start reading these. You know, when you're in your 20s, you're out there partying, you're naive, you, you know. Wasting money, yeah. wasting time. But now when you're in your 40s, you're like, hey, what's passive income? Mm-hmm. Well, what can we do? And so what we're looking at is building a cabin. We already bought 10 acres and we want to build a cabin and then use it as a rental property or put it on as an Airbnb and and be successful. But the biggest thing is when when we're gone, that I can leave that to the kids and then they can leave it to the grandkids and they can just build on from that. Cool. That that's the key thing. But I, the also the other thing in career wise is being moving up in the company, mm-hmm. being a moving up as the manager over the business side, then moving up and being the um, the director, the AVP. So those are my inspirations. It, it, you know, in any business, you have to move to get promoted. So those are the things. So what we're looking at is, and maybe in three years after my kid graduates from high school, is maybe moving to Texas or moving to different areas that would be able to be promising. Where there's opportunity. Correct. So before we, and we got a few more minutes, um, tell us a little bit about AT&T business and what you offer and what what you help people with specifically. Absolutely. I think uh, the biggest thing that a lot of consumers or a lot of businesses miss is, is the human nature of it is with a business rep, you're able to come to their business, you're able to give that white glove treatment where you don't have to call the on, go online, you don't have to call the 1-800 number, you don't have to go and visit our stores. Everybody, everybody in the, each department has a specific role, but if I can make, or if we can make the business their life, because you're the business owners, they got to run their business. They don't want to be going into our stores or being on the phones for hours. That's what the business reps do. They handle everything. You call, they handle, they are able to pull up your bills. They're able to, you know, you say, hey, I need a new phone, upgrade. They're able to do those orders for you without you, and you can just run your business the way it needs to be sufficiently. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's where the concept is, is where the uh, where we, the business reps, can be able to really take that business to a new level. Mm-hmm. And then making that personal when you're local, I can come to your business. I can be able to, when you call me at 9 o'clock at night, 9.30, when, when you call our business hours, n- there's nobody there. 
but you can call a personal on their cell phone, even if it's on a weekend, that's what's really interesting about AT&T. We, um, as business reps, we're here for that, the business owners, yeah. and we're also here to help. We're like, um, uh, like an add-on. We'll do everything you guys need us to do to make the business run smoothly. Cool. So I think that's the biggest piece. And then the second piece is, yes, every business has deals. Every business, you're going to see promotions come, go. But the biggest thing is, what does AT&T offer our consumers? Is The biggest thing is connectivity, is quality and connectivity. And, you know, and that's the biggest thing. When you're running your business out there, you want to make sure that you have connectivity. You're not dropping phone calls. You're not losing them. You're not, you know, all of a sudden missing text messages. If you kind of think about it, everybody uses their cell phone nowadays as their office, as, as a computer. Sure. You, you, can do, I, you don't even need a laptop. You don't even need an iPad. You could run everything off that cell phone. 100%. And now what can we do to get people upgraded to the new phones? And when people look at, you know, are complacent with the current carriers, like if it's not broke, why fix it, right? That's why a lot of people don't look at anywhere else because it's comfortable, they're complacent. I wouldn't say, you know, I would say they're just, they think what they have is, is good. But I would tell everybody, analyze, go and call a business rep, somebody who's local who can sit down and analyze it. And that's our job is to come to your business, sit down in a conference room, and just analyze what you currently have. And if it doesn't work for you, hey, we're still here. It just means let us have a foot at your table to overview everything yeah. so then you can make the educated decision what you guys want to do. Sure. Very cool. Well, that's awesome, man. So uh, how can people find out about your service? How can they contact you? Uh, that's a great thing. They, um, I have a LinkedIn. It's underneath Charles Austin. And then also, if anybody wants to contact me, my phone number is 919-946-8491 with AT&T. And I can also give you a business card that you can put on your website or if you would like. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure to link that in the description as well. So we really appreciate you coming by, Chuck. Yes. So thank you so much. Um, thanks, Matt. And this has been the Purpose Podcast. We're here in Raleigh at the Gateway, Raleigh Founded Gateway. We meet every Wednesday at 8 a.m. So we're about to meet here. We're going to go do some networking. We really appreciate you watching and listening. And uh, hope you have a great day. Thanks. Thanks.